0: Well, good morning, my friends. We are in our series in Revelation. This is podcast number 549 for Wednesday the 18th. Um, Grab your Bibles, grab your notepads, and uh, let me pray for us. Lord, I ask you to open our eyes, enhance our understanding so that we can grasp what you want us to learn today. I also ask you to enable us by your spirit to apply the truths we learn to our daily lives. And to be guided moment by moment by your word, in Jesus' precious name, amen. Revelation 1-3, blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. And then let's go to Revelation chapter 6, (coughs) we'll try to get through verses 9 through 11. So let's get into this today as we get back into Revelation chapter 6. Jesus opens the fifth seal. He's the Lamb of God. He's the only one worthy. And then John says, "I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain." These believers were put to death by the forces of the antichrist for the very same reason John had been exiled to the uh to live on Patmos, the word of God and Uh, the testimony of Jesus Christ. We found that in Revelation 1-9 when John says that's why he was on Patmos. The souls of these believers were in heaven while their dead bodies were yet on earth. The state of existence between physical death and the future resurrection is called the intermediate state. You know, some believe they go right to heaven. They get angelic bodies and wings. That's just not true. Once physical body is in the grave, but the spirit or soul is either in heaven with Christ or in a place of great suffering apart from Christ. Let's look at some scriptures that talk about this. And I know this becomes a confusing confusing thing because um, of our belief that there is an intermediate state. And I do believe there is, but I do believe that in that intermediate state now, because it's post Jesus' death and resurrection, To be absent from the body is to be at home with the Lord. Look at Luke uh, chapter 16, the rich man and Lazarus. It's a familiar portion of scripture. And um, it's called a parable, but I'm not sure about that because when have you ever seen a parable where the name of a person is given? There was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen who, who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate was laid a poor man named Lazarus. Covered with sores, who desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, even the dogs came and licked his sores. The poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried and in Hades being in torment. Notice the torment. He lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side and he called out Father Abraham. So we know this man is a Jew calling out to Abraham, even though he did not. Serve the God of Abraham. Have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I'm in anguish in this flame. Notice he didn't ask to be released. I believe that once you get to that place, (coughs) there's consciousness of the fact that you have missed your opportunity. But Abraham said, Child, remember that in your lifetime, You received your good things and Lazarus and his like manner bad things, but now he is comfort and you're in anguish. Besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed in order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able and none may cross from there to to us. None are going to escape (coughs) from where the believers are to help the unbelievers and the unbelievers will not escape um, what they're going through. And he said, Then I beg you, Father, to send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, so that he may warn them, lest they also come into this place of torment. But Abraham said, They have Moses and the prophets, so they have the word of God. Let them hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He said to them, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced that someone should rise from the dead. And who rose from the dead? Jesus rose from the dead. And there were still people who did not believe. While we're in Luke, let's go to Luke 23, 43. Luke 23, 43. Jesus talking to the thief on the cross says, And today, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. He wouldn't go into soul sleep. He wouldn't go to uh, another place. He will be with Christ. At Christ's resurrection, everything changed. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 8. We've covered this scripture many times. Paul says this in 5.8. Yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body. And where would we be if we were away from the body? We would be at home with the Lord. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. In verse 9 it says... I go to Philippians chapter 1, Philippians chapter 1, verse 21, says this, 21 through 23, Paul says, For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me, yet which I shall choose I cannot tell, as if he almost had was given a choice. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. Paul says, if I depart from this body, I go to be with Christ. I don't go to sleep. I don't go to a waiting place. I go to be with Christ. Again, I believe that after Christ raised from the dead, he died and rose from the dead, everything changed. Acts 16, 31. One's destiny depends wholly upon one." Uh, whether one is trusted in Christ for salvation. Not whether your parents have or godparents have, not whether your dad's the pastor. It's a personal relationship with God. It said God doesn't have any grandchildren. He only has children. Acts 16.31, and they said, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved in your household, the Philippian jailer. How do I believe? How do I escape um, this punishment? How, How am I saved? He said, you need to believe. Go to Ephesians chapter 2, familiar portion of Scripture. Ephesians 2, verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works that any man should boast. And so human beings are both a material body and an immaterial body. The material body, material part is the body. Paul in 2 Corinthians 5.8 calls it a tent, a temporary dwelling place. The immaterial part is the soul or spirit. These terms are used interchangeably in Scripture. At the moment of death, the soul or spirit departs or separates from the material body. How do we know that? Let's go all the way back to the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 35. And verse 18. And we'll find our way in the New Testament in just a moment. The death of Rachel. Verse 18 of chapter 35 in Genesis. And as her soul was departing, for she was dying, she called his name uh, Ben Benoni, but his father called him Benjamin. There's two different definitions of what it means there. Um, Be- uh, Benoni means my sorrow. Benjamin means the son of my right hand. So a little bit of marital conflict, even in her death, about the name of their last son, Look at uh, Ecclesiastes, chapter 12, right after Proverbs. Proverbs is the uh, book of Ecclesiastes written by Solomon. Chapter 12 and verse 7 says, And the dust returns to the earth as it was, and the Spirit returns to God who gave it. You can see the separation there. Uh, the the body receives back what was it what was it it what belonged to it the dust and the spirit goes to to be with god uh, the believer spirit goes to be with god not the unbelievers there's a difference there um, and uh what are the scripture luke 23 46 23 46. The death of Jesus Christ. Then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. Where was his body? His body was going to go to the tomb. And then he would be resurrected on the third day. He wasn't resuscitated. He was resurrected. He wasn't resuscitated. He was resurrected. That's a big deal. That's important to understand. Acts chapter 7. Verse 59, um, Stephen being stoned. And uh, in verse 59, and they were stoning Stephen. As they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. So there is a difference between what happens to the unbeliever's soul, spirit, and the believer's soul and spirit. This is what happened to the martyrs in Revelation 6. One day in the future, all believers will be resurrected. And their spirits will be reunited with glorious new bodies. What a day that will be, and they will never die again. Turn to First Thessalonians chapter 4. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13 it says, "But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, those who died, that you may not grieve as others do, for who have no hope." Of command, with the voice of an archangel with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first, then we who are alive who are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so will we always be with the Lord, therefore encourage one another with these words: Where will we meet the Lord in the air? This is the difference between the rapture and the second coming, the second coming, his feet set on the mount of olives, and it splits in this in the the appearance or the rapture he comes and we meet him in the air so they cried out verse 10 they cried out with a loud voice these martyrs had a strong sense of urgency and emotion and what did they cry out oh sovereign lord oh sovereign lord holy and true these believers recognize that god is the sovereign ruler of the universe he is the blessed and holy sovereign the king of kings and the lord of lords as stated in 1 timothy 6 15 he is In complete control. He is the one that we submit our lives to. Look at Proverbs 21. Proverbs 21 and verse 30. Proverbs 21. I'll be there in a minute. Proverbs 21 and verse 30. No wisdom, no understanding, no counsel can avail against the Lord. What does that verse have to do with this? They called him the sovereign Lord, holy and true. He is completely sovereign in control. In Revelation, we see that God is called the holy one, the true one. God is holy in that he is utterly righteous and set apart from all sin. He does not just act holy. He is holy. Likewise, God does not just communicate which is true. He is truth. Jesus says in John 14, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Then it goes on to say in Revelation 6:10, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood? This verse raises two interesting realities to ponder. Number one, people are still conscious following the moment of death. And two, people still have a sense of time in the afterlife. As for consciousness in the afterlife, scripture reveals that following the moment of death, unbelievers are in conscious woe. They know that um, they're in a bad place. They know that they have made a mistake and they are conscious of the fact that their time has run out. Look at Mark chapter nine. Mark chapter nine, this is important. Jesus teaching on this, says in Mark chapter nine, verse 43, and if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off, that in tor- they'll be in torment. Those who are unbelievers will be in complete torment. And we saw that in Luke chapter 16 with the, uh, the rich man. Now, believers are in conscious bliss. We read 2 Corinthians, and we'll read it again, 2 Corinthians 5.8. Paul teaching on this. Verse 8. Yes, we are of good courage and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. And why would he rather be with the Lord? Because that state is so much better than the state of being in this body. Look at Philippians 1, 23. This hammers this home a little more. Philippians 1, 23, Paul says, I'm hard pressed between the two to go or to stay. My desire is to depart and be with Christ for that is far better. It's far better. He's out of this world. He's out of this temporary tent. He's out of all this suffering, but he decides as if he had a choice from the Lord, I'm gonna stay because it's better for you that I stay. It's better for you that I stay, but I'd rather go to be with the Lord for it is far better. Regarding a sense of time in heaven, the fact that the martyrs ask God how long indicates that they were aware of the passing of time in heaven. Revelation provides other uh, indications of time in heaven. In Revelation 7, 15, God's people serve him day and night in his temple. In Revelation 22, 2, the tree of life yields its fruit month to month. God, of course, is timeless. To him, events are not successions of moments because God transcends time because he's above time. He can see the past, the present, the future as a single intuitive act. However, simply because God is beyond time does not mean that he cannot act within time. From a biblical perspective, God is eternal, but he can do temporal things. Look at Galatians four four. Galatians Four four it says, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption of sons. What does that mean? That God worked within the time frame of man. It doesn't mean that he was bound by it because God is timeless, but he worked within the time frame of man and he sent his son at the perfect time. The perfect time because there was um uh, really one language at the time. they a perfect time because the roads were, were amazing and travel would be safe and they could um they could take uh the gospel to the ends of the then known earth. Let's um uh, let's quit right there uh for today and we'll pick up in uh in uh, chapter six verse eleven tomorrow. Let me close in prayer in Second Peter chapter 3, and verse 18. But grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. God bless you. Until so we talk again.